The Wildcats saw some really strong production from Uganda Onyenzo on one end of the floor against North Carolina, and it got me thinking, how good can Hugo make this Kentucky team? On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive and do all things Kentucky Athletics on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be discussing Uguna Onyenzo and his impact on the court. How good can the Kentucky Wildcats be with Hugo out there? Also, going to give you an update on bracketology, and we're not just going to look at the uh, we're not just going to look at ESPN's bracketology. We are also going to look at a few other sources, some that I think may be just a little bit more accurate than what ESPN currently has out there. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everyone out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, I would really appreciate it if you subscribed to the show, if you're listening on podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. Uguna Onyenzo, the seven foot, 245 pound sophomore uh, he, former four-star prospect, has been cleared to play for the Wildcats, and he played 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 10 minutes, depending on where you look, against North Carolina this past weekend. Now, in those 9 minutes, he had a minus 7 plus minus, which, according to those statistics, he did not perform particularly well. But if you go and look at the actual individual numbers, I would argue that Hugo played a pretty interesting role on one end of the court against UNC. You go and look at the statistics in nine minutes. He had one rebound, one assist, and well, one assist, and then three blocks. One of them a very aggressive uh, rejection at the rim. I, I can't remember of who. Uh, I can't remember if it was Harrison Ingram or uh, R.J. Davis, but it might have been neither of them. But Hugo, in those nine minutes, proved, I think, what we've been talking about here at Locked On Kentucky for what feels like the better part of half a year. Hugo, offensively, I think has some deficiencies in his game currently that I think as he develops, he will overcome and then they will become strengths of his. But on the defensive end, end of the floor, I think he is hands down the best prospect defensively that the Wildcats currently have. I think that he is the best rim protector. I think he is the best defender overall when it comes to protecting the rim. And I think he is going to continue to do that, what he did against UNC, get things like three blocks a game, make crucial stops, get crucial rebounds for the Wildcats because of his stature and because of the nature of his game. Kentucky right now, I think when you look at their rotation, they don't have a true five, and I think Uganda Onyenzo provides that. So let's break this down a little bit further. Let's start, let's go back to offensively what I said about him. Offensively, I think that he may need some time. Last year, um, there wasn't anything special about what he could do offensively for the Wildcats, and quite frankly, I don't think his game is ever going to 
require him to have some sort of bag or to be able to handle the ball or to be able to shoot it. Anything outside the paint, I think that that's where he is going to primarily reside. This is not a shocking revelation. I'm just kind of telling you what we kind of already know about Hugo. I think that what we need to pay attention to is how he operated, though, within the offense during his game against North Carolina. Before I say what I'm about to say, I want to be clear here. Hugo is obviously coming back from injury. It's his first game back. It was against a really good opponent, a very experienced opponent. And so things are not always going to go as planned and they're not going to be perfect. But did you watch the North Carolina game when Hugo was out there and did you pay attention to the spacing? Um, You guys know what spacing is in college basketball is whenever you're able to have kind of within your offense, you can see it kind of breathe a little bit. Players are not knocking into each other whenever they're trying to run sets. It's not, it's not, um, it's not compact inside the paint. You can see a clear fluidity and motion uh, to the actual offense being run. You're not seeing it get kind of clogged up at different points in lanes and different things like that. Um, you watch the spacing with Hugo on the floor, though. An offense that has been known for running up and down the court, spacing people out and shooting and getting to the rim pretty effectively as well. Uh, Kentucky's offense looks kind of weird at times with Hugo spacing on the court. It looked like he was out there um, not necessarily in the right spot, either that or Kentucky was running some things that just kind of put him out of place. And I think that with time, he will become more comfortable within this, but also something that we have to acknowledge acknowledge about Hugo is what I said a minute ago, minute ago. He is a true five. He is a true center. There's not a lot of versatility to his game, and there doesn't need to be. There doesn't need to be any versatility to Uganda and Yenzo's game. But he, I think he's very good at what he is, which is a traditional center. You're not going to see, I think, anything flashy or creative or wow you on the offensive end of the floor. But the spacing does, I think, need to be solved. I also think it's going to be interesting moving forward how Kentucky runs with the pacing of this team, the speed and the tempo that they run with Uganda and Yenzo on the offensive end of the floor. Do they try and rim run with him? like they have at different points with Aaron Bradshaw? Do they keep it a little bit slower? Do they try and feed the post like uh, uh, Coach uh, Orlando was talking about uh, just a few days ago? How are they going to operate with Hugo offensively? It's going to be interesting. But right now, I think the point that we were making here, it's raw, it's unpolished, and it needs some time to develop. I think it's going to develop. I think he is going to get those chances, and he's going to execute, much like the rest of this roster. I think he's going to look pretty good uh, with this team. Now, defensively, like I mentioned, I think Hugo is the best option, the best option that Kentucky has because you're not just blocking shots. You're not just protecting the rim. You're not just the best at that, and that's probably what's going to carry him. If he does end up getting selected in the NBA draft, whether it be this year or two years from now, um, whenever it may be, I think that Hugo will lean on what he does defensively. He's going to be a strong rim protector that blocks shots and then affects how different opponents want to operate offensively. If you go and you look across this league, there are a few different teams that I am currently afraid of that bother me because of the way stylistically they like to play their offense. There are a few different teams in this conference that love to try and draw fouls, love to try and get to the rim and then get to the foul line. Texas A&M and Arkansas are two prime examples of this. You go and you pull up their Ken Palm numbers. Right now, point distribution-wise, Arkansas, 
gets nearly 25% of their points per game from the foul line. uh, Texas A&M gets about 20% of their points per game from the foul line. You remember North Carolina and the way that we talked about them pregame or in our preview episode, they get right at 25%. They're 13th nationally in points per game uh, from the foul line or percentage of points per game. So Kentucky, I think, has different opponents in conference play that will bother them because of what they do aggressively on the offensive end of the floor. But thankfully, I think you're going to have somebody like Uganda and Yenzo to kind of help patch things up there to help protect the rim without fouling, maybe a little bit more consistency or maybe protect the rim with fouling. I don't, I don't know how, how uh, Ugo is going to play it out here. I believe he did have a, have a couple of fouls against UNC. One of them was bogus. One of them was just straight up ridiculous. The officiate, by the way, we did not get a chance to talk about this. The officiating crew for North Carolina, that that game was abysmal. Both ways, both ways. But oh my gosh, there were so many different things that were just um, very frustrating as a fan to watch uh, when it came to the way that that game uh, was chosen to be officiated. But Kentucky, I think, will be aided by Uganda and Yenzo in conference play against some of these teams that really like to stick it to you inside the arc. And then the final note I want to make here as I talked about this, this gives you a pure five-man, which is awesome in its own right. Like, it's awesome to have a, a legitimate traditional center at that position. But at the same time, it also helps the rest of your rotation because it allows you to consistently slide guys higher up in the rotation more um, and you now have that luxury, thankfully, with Hugo, if you elect to play him a decent amount, which we talked on yesterday's episode about the bench minutes Kentucky has. It's currently rising just a little bit on Ken Palm. How that changes throughout the rest of the season, it's going to be interesting. But Aaron Bradshaw now doesn't have to play the five nearly at all because Trey Mitchell and Hugo can kind of hold things down there. Jordan Burks doesn't have to play the five, period. He can play at the four whenever he gets rotated in, if he does get rotated in. Uh, Trey Mitchell doesn't have to play the five as much. He can definitely play the four, uh, play the four for the Wildcats as he has comfortably at three other schools. Adu Thiero doesn't have to play at center in small ball lineups. He can play the three now if Kentucky really wants to slide him up and let somebody like Mitchell or Bradshaw or Burks rotate in at those four at that four spot and then let you go play at the five. And then Justin Edwards also. I don't think you will ever see him. Uh, no, let me not say that. I don't think you're going to consistently see him playing at the four in different lineups for Kentucky unless it's like a tr- like a straight up, hey, we're going small ball. We got three guards and we got Edwards and then we've got to like you go. We've got Mitchell uh, out there. I don't think you're going to see Justin Edwards have to be forced to play in an awkward lineup where it's just like, okay, that's the option that we have at the four. No, well, we now we have Bradshaw, Burks, Mitchell, and Thierry. We got four different guys that can play power forward technically on this team. So, Hugo really does open up things, just kind of give you, gives you some flexibility here, and I really like that. So how good can Uganda and Yenzo make Kentucky while he's on the floor? Right now, defensively, I think he can up their game and he can aid them in SEC play when it comes to taking on some of these more aggressive drive-to-the-rim type of offenses. And then also on the offensive, offensive end of the floor, I think he can be solid. I think that he can be a high-percentage shooter, obviously closer to the rim, but right now, there are some pacing issues. There are some spacing issues as well, and it's going to take some time. And I don't think the ceiling is nearly as high for him on that end of the floor as it is on the other end, protecting 
the rim. So if you've got any thoughts about Uganda Yenzo, what he could be for Kentucky while he's on the floor could definitely alter some games here, I think, could definitely help Kentucky get some wins that they may have otherwise not had if you are not out there. You can leave that in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials. I want to talk here about a few different bracketology websites uh, that I like, that I think that you should check out. We're also going to talk about ESPN and CBS Sports, where they have Kentucky now that they have beaten UNC. Before I dive into that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. It's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. You can keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. I really appreciate you all tuning in to the show. I want to remind you guys, if you have not subscribed to the YouTube channel already, whether that be on YouTube or on the podcast feed, I would appreciate it. If you joined up, it's going to be a very fun conference slate. Kentucky getting closer and closer to that. I want to remind you guys we're going to have a preview episode of Kentucky versus Louisville tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we're going to have a recap episode of how the uh, the Wildcats fare against the, against the Cardinals. Hopefully, uh, they can pick up a win. We also had an interesting episode yesterday talking about CBS Sports' Matt Norlander hypothetically throwing out there that, hey, if Kentucky does win this game, it could be the last one of Kenny Payne's career, um, and the Wildcats are expected to win. So we'll see what happens there. All right, we've got bracketology to get to. And as I have previously stated, this is kind of a fun thing. Sometimes we criticize Joe Lenardi because it's like, okay, there's no way to determine certain things that he projects. Also, sometimes it's inaccurate. Um, also, just being able to talk about it at the beginning of the year throughout the offseason sometimes feels a little pointless. But now that we are in season, and now that we are, what, 11 games into the schedule, something like that, um, for, for some teams at least, I should say, um, we have, I think, enough of a sample size. We're about a third of the, the way into the season where we can start to discuss, okay, who are some of the good teams, who are some teams that we need to keep an eye on as the season progresses, and obviously, where's Kentucky? The last time that we talked about ESPN's bracketology, Kentucky was a sixth seed. Obviously, that game against North Carolina helped the Wildcats a solid bit. They are now back on the five-seed line. They have risen to a five-seed. In case you're wondering, some other teams that are five-seeds that are kind of on Kentucky's level, quote-unquote, right now. Memphis, North Carolina, actually, and then Gonzaga. So, an opponent Kentucky's already played, and then one that they are going to play later on this season. So we'll keep an eye on that. I also find it entertaining that Gonzaga right now on that five-seed line, <coughs> excuse me, 
would be uh, would be projected to play in Spokane, uh, Washington, which is kind of funny, but that's not going to happen. Obviously, we don't know where these teams are going to wind up playing, but we'll just have to wait and see. Purdue, Kansas, UConn, and Arizona are the current number one seeds. Obviously, Kentucky with that loss to that one seed, Kansas, Houston, Oklahoma, Marquette, and then Tennessee are your current two seeds. Uh, <coughs> Tennessee with those couple of losses, uh, I find it interesting that they're as high as a two seed, but they uh, project, uh, Joe Lenardi does, projects uh, Tennessee to win the SEC as an automatic qualifier. So very interesting stuff from Joe Lenardi. Rising Kentucky on the seed line and then some of the big teams there um, that have been winning in, in non-conference play. But I don't want to focus too much on ESPN. I want to focus on a few other websites that I think you guys may find some interest in. Uh, well, we'll start here with CBS Sports. I like Jerry Palm's bracketology at times. The only problem is, is he doesn't update it nearly as frequently as some other websites. Uh, like if you go and look right now, this was updated on December 15th at 1.11. Um, that was four days ago at the time of this recording. So uh, Jerry Palm and CBS, I think they may need to step it up a little bit as far as their consistency. Because guys, we had an entire weekend of like some really big college basketball games and you've not moved Kentucky off of the 8C line. Yes, you heard me correctly. Kentucky Currently an eight seed with Auburn, Alabama, and South Carolina. All SEC, te- all SEC teams for that eight seed line. Um, first of all, that's never going to happen. Second of all, Auburn is not an eight seed. Bama is not an eight seed despite their, their recent losses, which is hilarious. Um, South Carolina may be. Kentucky is not an eight seed. They're more like a five or a four seed right now, which we, we will see later on. But I do like their um, I do like their rankings at times. Um, they show you everything pretty clearly on the website. I've always enjoyed it. But there are two other pa- uh, places that I would highly encourage you guys to go check out. And one of them is T-Rank or Bart Torvik's website, barttorvik.com. And then Bracketville is also just a place you can go and briefly check out um, some new bracketology that's being released pretty consistently. According to uh, Bracketville, Kentucky is a four-seed. And then on Bart Torvik, I want to kind of dive into this further. They currently have Kentucky as the number 17, uh, 17 team in the country, which is kind of interesting considering that they're, uh, the AP poll has them a little bit higher. Uh, Ken Palm, I think, has them slightly lower. Um, T-rank, Bart Torvik is kind of similar to Ken Palm and the way that they dive into their, their analytics. It's more advanced, uh, advanced, advanced statistics here. It's actually funny that both Ken Palm and... Uh, T-Rank have Kentucky one spot behind North Carolina, even though Kentucky beat them in the head-to-head. It's the computer model here, just statistically saying, or by the numbers, well, Kentucky's not as good as North Carolina still. Anyway, even though they beat them head-to-head. By the way, three uh, SEC teams there inside the top 15 in Tennessee, Alabama, and Auburn uh, above uh, Kentucky there, who is at number 17. But I really like T-Rank because... Not only does it give you some of the things that Kim Palm does statistically, but it also lets you project on their website. If you want to go and project out wins and losses for Kentucky or any other team, you can absolutely do that with a T-Rankatology forecast. This is not an ad, by the way, although it kind of sounds like it. And you can go win-loss on all of these different games, and then you can also project the uh, the conference tournaments if you want to with extra games, and then you can see 
based on your predictions and the rest of the country, how how the website believes it's going to currently shake out, you can see where your team would be um, on the seed line. And right now, I think Kentucky's going to finish 25 and 6 or 14 and 4. That's where I have Kentucky right now. There are a couple of different spots, and I think actually Torvik has Kentucky going like 22 and 9, as does Kim Palm, by the way. But I think Kentucky's going to have a pretty solid year in the SEC. At least I hope, knock on wood, hopefully uh, I'm not completely off base here. But if Kentucky does go 14 and 4, with their four losses being to Auburn, Arkansas, Tennessee, um, three of those on the road, by the way, and then a, a loss on the road to South Carolina, I just threw in there because there's no way Kentucky survives the gauntlet of this SEC slate. I mean, there is a way, but I, I just find it really, really doubtful that any SEC team wins 15 games in the conference this year. It just seems very difficult to do. Um, but the Wildcats, if they do that at 25-6, and six, they would be a projected three seed. Um, the uh, the model, by the way, for, for T-Rank is also very high on Auburn. Um, it would have the Tigers winning the SEC and also being on that three-seed line um, uh, alongside uh, alongside uh, the Wildcats. It would have Tennessee at a, as a two-seed, but the only reason that Tennessee is a two-seed, I believe, is because of some of the strong non-con games that they played, even though they didn't win most of them, which is interesting. But yeah, the Kentucky Wildcats, I think right now, should be somewhere between that three and five range. Um, having them as a four at most spots, I think, is fine. I think that makes sense. Um at the same time, I, I'm, I'm not mad at places like Torvik having them as a 3C because that's where I think they're probably going to uh, project out. So there's your websites there. Bart Torvik, Bracketville. You can check out CBS. You can look at ESPN. There are a couple of others that will become more prevalent and more um, worthy of paying attention to, these different computer models, as the season does start to wind down here. So when we get into 2024... We're going to be diving into this, I think, a little bit more at length, but we're not going to be talking about numbers. We're going to be talking about wins, losses, how we feel about the seed line, different things like that. So if you wanted to stick around for that, you should absolutely subscribe to the show. And I think that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave those in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.